Hey, party people. Welcome to the Party PhD podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Hubbard. We are still in our community engagement series where we talk about all things community-engaged practices, research, and educational psychology. Okay, so go with me here. Next to my window, I have a few candles and a pretty large box of matches, but the humidity in my room gets really high almost all the time, so like 100% humidity. I also have a lot of plants, so the matches sometimes don't work. I will strike and strike and strike. Sometimes the little part that's supposed to light on fire just flies off the end of the match. Other times, it's like a little bit of a spark, a little bit of smoke comes, and that moment of, even though it hasn't quite lit on fire, that match lets me know that I'm on the right track, that I've like struck the right direction, the humidity is okay, that I'm going to get a match lit, and it motivates me to keep going. So I might get three or four of these matches that are seemingly duds that spark a little bit, smoke a little bit but don't actually catch on fire and then I finally get the one that catches on fire and I can finally light my candles for the mood lighting in my room to write whatever I'm supposed to be writing. Now this isn't exactly where I'm at in my writing or in developing my methods but I do think that I'm in the part where the match makes contact, enough contact to kind of get that smoke going. So I'm in this place of of motivation where I'm willing to get a few more duds of matches before I really light the fire on this research. So this week we were tasked with looking at the methods and looking past just qualitative and quantitative methods and really digging into specific methodology that might speak to our specific research. Now, we also operate under the assumption that there's no one paper that's a fit, a perfect fit, at least, for what you're trying to do or your specific research questions. And so I've gone out on a little bit of a limb this week, and I'm kind of digging it. I'm looking at concept mapping, but in the public health realm. So I found an article entitled Concept Mapping Methodology and Community Engaged Research, a Perfect Pairing. This is in the health realm or a public health realm, and it led me to kind of the original article talking about concept mapping as a way to understand public health issues. This really struck a chord with me because during the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, we are also experiencing what many folks are referring to as the pandemic of racism. And when we boil it down, racism is a public health issue. And then I started thinking of kind of the insidious ways that racism is interwoven into teacher preparation programs, which is where my research takes place is within teacher prep programs. And so I thought, why, why wouldn't this methodology apply to the ways that teacher prep programs are either developing teachers who are well suited to combat racism through anti-racist education, or how are experiences in teacher preparation programs preparing students, even if it's unknowingly, to combat racism? 
a lot of the literature that I'm familiar with around teacher prep programs and preparing teachers for diverse classrooms revolves a lot around culturally sustaining pedagogy, um, addressing education debt in the classroom, representation. And there are these really outward pedagogical choices by the university or by the program that students can identify. They can put their finger on and they know this is what I'm supposed to be learning. But what about all of the ways that we learn racism or anti-racism through our interactions, through our social interactions, through other parts of the program, by the professors who are teaching, by the programs that are offered? What are those specific things telling us about how to be anti-racist educators? So from what I understand about concept mapping is that it has these six phases, preparation, generation, structuring, representation, interpretation, utilization of the findings. The first three assumptions or the first three parts of concept mapping, preparation, generation, and structuring all heavily rely on the knowledge and the experiences of the participants. And so when I look at this model, the community around, say, village or the alumni associated with the village or the professionals associated with the village, there are so many voices, so many experiences that can really go into understanding exactly what experiences within this community allow students or don't allow students to become more more versed in the ways of anti-racist education. So that's, that's where I'm starting. So this year, as I'm working with a fresh group of, say, students, I can use them and use their experiences to help guide the recruitment procedures for next year's students who will be the kind of the bulk or the focus of my research. This year's students are are going to have a voice in the way that those students are recruited, the way that those students um, are engaging in the material. The generation is kind of generating this list of items or list of ideas or list of experiences. And right now, there are so many people who have been in, say, even, even folks in the College of Education right now who are doc students who were a part of, say, 10 years ago, folks who are still participating in, say, Village even years later as now supervising teachers for the program and seniors who are in the College of Education. They're going into their last year before they start teaching. All of these people have really invaluable experiences that can go into kind of creating this list that will then be used for next year's students to sort those items into groupings. Now, the last part of concept mapping that that I'm going to talk about, at least in this podcast, is the representation part or the computerized analysis. Right now, I have no idea how to do that part. And so maybe this exercise in exploring methodology is really just utilizing the first three aspects of concept mapping is utilizing the experiences of participants from the program in order to shape how the participants in the research experience the research or have a say in the research. So party people, if this week's podcast sounded a little bit different, it's because I was operating under that that tension of lighting a match where you strike it 
and there's the heat, there's the smoke, but it's not there yet. And you go to reach for the next match, hoping that this one is going to light on fire. I didn't write out my responses. I just went with it. I followed my thoughts. I spoke with these. So hopefully it showed. But anyway, I'll see you back here next week, folks.